is. Somebody shout, he is good. Tell your neighbor, he's good to me. Tell him, he's good to me. congregation today and if it was not for the mercy of God and his goodness to me and you we would not be here this morning I was standing and seeing some because well I'm pastoring so I know right and I'm just looking around and, and everywhere as I look I see God's mercy because if man was judging, we'd all be condemned already. We wouldn't have any hope, no chance. Cast out, shut down, put away. But we stand in his presence today because he loves us, shed his blood for us. And if we can find it within ourselves just to lift our hands and say, I love you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. His power comes down upon us. He forgives us. And here we are again today standing in his presence, feeling his power, being redeemed by his blood. Because he is a loving, merciful God. Loving, merciful you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 5. Remember our service tonight at 6.30 at East Campus. We are going to have service and then immediately following the service, we're going to take a few more minutes and have a memorial for Sister Turner's mother. And so we invite you to come and be with us tonight. East Campus, that is the Lake Worth uh, Middle School there on Bornett Drive right at 10th and 95. So we invite you to come uh, and to uh, be with us. All of our guests, we welcome you. We're so thankful that you are here. We pray that you have already been touched, already blessed, but we know that the Lord has so much for you. As always, it is an honor to have my mother-in-law uh, with me. She's going to be with us for a few weeks, and we went up to Alabama and ate some turkey and had a good time with family and uh, drug ma-in-law down so we could continue to eat for a few weeks. My wife's a great cook, but, but ma-in-law taught her. So uh, Nana's uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful to have around the house. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. Y'all going to help me break out of this whatever's here? Look at your neighbor and say, Thanksgiving's over. Tell the guy, tell the one behind you, say, get up out of your spiritual recliner. It's church time. We call everything a spirit, you know. It's really just us. But we call it a spirit. There's a yawning spirit here today. Specializes in yawning. <laughs> No, it's just you, not focus. Amen. What a great God we serve. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. Wherefore, as by 
one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. By one man, death was brought into this world. Now, I know that when we read that we look more as the physical death. But when Adam sinned, the initial death was not physical. When God said, thou shalt surely die, he was talking about something much greater than the body. After Adam sinned, he lived another 900 years upon this earth. But the day he sinned, he died spiritually. Sin brought spiritual death to humanity. And because all have sinned, we all have died this spiritual death. But I've come to talk to us for just a little while here today that you, sir, you, ma'am, can have a resurrection. Look at your neighbor and tell them you can have your personal resurrection today. Today you can be lifted up. Today you can be brought out. Today you can be brought up out of that spiritual grave and given life like you have never experienced ever before. God has come to do that for me and for you. Let's clap our hands to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Somebody send up a spiritual praise to God. Come on. Let your soul cry out to him. Lord, we praise you. God, we glorify you. We magnify you in the house today. We bless you with our tongue. We worship you with our heart. My, 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 my. Tell, come on, turn around, shake their hand, tell them. Today is your day of resurrection. Lord bless you, you may be seated. Now, I know initially this seems like, and it certainly will be, directed and focused in the area of those who have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I'll tell you from the very offset of this message here today, I know a lot of people who have been born again who are still walking around dead spiritually. Maybe you were alive at one time, but you allowed it to go dormant. God wants to stir you up here again today against every battle, against the adversary, against everything here that might fight this. I have come to tell you there is nothing greater than the power of God, nothing greater than the Spirit of God. He can bring you out of any dilemma. He can lift you up out of any situation. He can take you out of any depression. He can take fear out of your heart. Heart. He can get doubt out of your spirit. If you just let him touch you here today. Genesis chapter 2 verse number 7. 
the word of the Lord says, and the Lord God, everybody say, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Say, the breath of life. And look at this next phrase in this scripture. We read it, we've read it so many times. We, we've heard it preached so often. But we cannot even begin to imagine it. Man, our finite ability to comprehend cannot even begin to imagine the power that's in this next phrase. When the Bible says, and man became a living soul. Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Tell your neighbor, your soul is alive. The last man, Adam, speaking of Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. And we'll find out a little while later why that was necessary. But I would like for us to take a moment here today and try to imagine the experience of life that was given to Adam when his eyes opened up off the cool ground that had been frosted by the dew. When he opened up his eye for the first time, beheld the beauty and the glory that surrounded him, having never existed, taking in the first breath of life into his lungs. Oh, the experience that must have been when he set up upon that ground, began to look around at all the beauty that God had put there. No doubt he was surrounded by the curious animals. The little deer made its way up next to him as God formed him in the ground. The curious little animals crept in close. What was God making? What was God doing as God made Adam? Now the Bible says it was the Lord God that made or created or formed Adam from the dust of the ground. The word Lord there is the uh, word that we would use as Yahweh. It is who he is. It means he is the self-existing one or the eternal one. The great I am the creator of heaven and the earth. The one that flung the stars into the universe was down upon the ground forming Adam with his hands and bringing out of the dust of the ground the first man ever created. The Bible says it was the Lord God. That word God there is Elohim. Yahweh, Lord, is who he is. But God, Elohim, is what he is. You see, it wasn't just the Almighty that made him. It was more than who he was. It was what he was. That's why the Bible tells us that we were created in the image of God. Every characteristic, everything about God that made him God. All 
of the compound names of Jehovah, all of the power of the universe, all of the characteristics of God was being placed in this man called Adam. When Adam opened up his eyes, the Bible tells us that God gave him understanding. Job 32 and 8. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. When Adam opened up his eyes, he had the understanding of the power of creation. God put revelation on the inside of him. Can you imagine? Is it possible for me and you to bring our minds back to the time of creation when Adam opened up his eyes with the understanding and revelation that God had given him and to see what God had brought him into it must have been beyond anything we can describe any emotion that man has ever experienced to realize what God had brought him to become and made him to be Put your hands together for the Lord. Tell your neighbor you're a tough crowd today. The word of the Lord, stay with me. The word of the Lord said that God made him from the dust of the ground. The lowest, the cheapest, the most worthless element upon earth. You see, God did not make man out of gold dust. He made him out of dirt dust. God did not make him out of the crushed powder of pearls or the dust of diamonds, but he's formed him out of the ground of low, worthless dirt. When Adam was formed, he was no more valuable than the dirt itself until God breathed into him the breath of life. When God breathed into him the breath of life, Adam became more valuable than the angelic host. Adam became more valuable than every animal on earth. Adam became more valuable than the brightest sun shining in the galaxy. Adam became more valuable than anything ever made or ever existed. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying God can take the most worthless and with his touch, with his power, with his blood, with his anointing, he can make you, sir. He can make you, ma'am, the most the universe has ever seen. What I come to tell you today is it don't matter how much you've sinned. It doesn't matter how far out you've gone. It don't matter how low of an opinion you have of yourself or what others may have of you. When God steps into your life, you become the most valuable thing upon this earth.
Let's worship him. Somebody shout, I'm valuable. I have way too much turkey for Thanksgiving. Whew. I got an excuse to be whooped. I'm up here preaching. Y'all out there all look whooped. Y'all ain't done nothing but sitting while your fat cells grow. I have no idea why y'all love me. It's definitely the mercy of the Lord. I'm assuming you do. <laughs> As powerful of an experience of life as glorious as it must have been to Adam to experience life but not just life like you and me the pure breath of God was breathed into him. When he opened his eyes, there was no sin, no corruption, not even a demonic presence. We don't know how long it was before the devil showed up. When Adam opened up his eyes, he felt total peace. Peace beyond anything that you and I can possibly imagine. When Adam opened up his eyes, he felt total control. He felt absolute power and authority because God had given him dominion. The Bible says over all that he had created. Oh, I wish you were hearing me today. You see, you and I are in such a dilemma because we're out of control. We feel that everything out there is more powerful than us. We don't have peace because we're worried about everything else. We live in this stage of confusion upon this planet. But Adam had not experienced any of this. He was beyond elated. I, I, I wish my vocabulary had 50 more words in it. Should have done like Brother Sapp does. Put a word in there and then click on the thorus and add 20 more behind it. I'm just messing with you. Adam 
was caught up in the presence of God. On a daily basis, the Bible says that God would come down in the call of the even. Adam and God would walk together in the garden. They had fellowship with one another. They communed with one another. God was all around and in and upon Adam. And Adam was saturated with the presence of the Almighty. When he laid his head down upon a rock at night, he didn't fear anything. Adam. But just as incredible as was the moment of the awakening was as horrifying at the moment of death. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 17. God says, don't eat that tree. You will surely die. Verse 6, chapter 3. The woman saw it. She liked what she saw. She gave to Adam and Adam ate. Verse 7. Ah. And the eyes of them were opened. But wait a minute. I thought his eyes were already open. The Bible says that when God created Adam, he put understanding in him. Adam was so brilliant, he named all the animals. Like our evangelist said, he got so tired of naming them, he finally just said fly. Adam was so amazing. He had his act together, brother. Brother Turner preached on priorities. Adam had his priorities together. He knew to name the lion first. You don't upset the lion. He had his priorities together. Adam was given domain and power over all the creations of God. He walked around upon that earth in complete control, complete confidence, with complete power. Oh, yeah. But here, the Bible says, when he partook of the fruit, his eyes were opened. He was given a revelation that man was never intended to have. God did not create me and you to hold the burden and the weight of disobedience. Not even the angelic host of heaven could hold up underneath the power of disobedience. When they disobeyed, a third was cast out of heaven. Nothing upon this planet can handle the weight of sin. You cannot put sin upon your mind and upon your body and upon your soul and be able to handle it. 
When sin comes into your life, you lose your confidence. You lose your purity. You lose your righteousness. You lose everything. When he partook of that fruit and the act of obedience was disobedience was fulfilled, his eyes, their eyes were opened. They knew they were naked. Their eyes were used to seeing glory. Now it sees darkness. Their eyes were used to seeing the magnificent work of the hands of God. Now they're seeing the outcast of hell and the destruction of the soul. And as incredible was the spiritual awakening when God came, breathed the breath of life into him. So was the devastation of the weight of sin. As great as the elation of feeling the presence of God was the horror of being cast out of his presence. As high as God was able to take him, sin was pushed him in the opposite direction. There is a reason why it is called the sting of death. Oh yeah. This is what man, what you and me have learned to live with. I almost said something, I'm glad I didn't. You could strap this to my back. In the first few days, I walk around with this. I'm going to know it's there. But after a while, it'll become so a part of who I am that I'll just think it's natural, normal. It's just the way things are supposed to be. That's what's happened to the human race. Every single day, you get up with the burden and the weight of sin. You have carried it for so long you don't even recognize it's there anymore. It's just natural. And when somebody comes up to you and says, you need God, you say, I already got him. You think what you're feeling is an experience with God. It's not. You only experienced religion. But when you experience God, 
the first thing you do is, what is this? You see, my experience and your experience is the opposite of Adam's. Adam experienced God. He experienced life. He experienced the presence of God without sin. But you, then he experienced sin. But you and I, we are shapen in iniquity. We are born in sin. We come into this world experiencing sin, hoping that one day we just might experience God. God wants to bring you through the very opposite experience that Adam had. He went from glory to damnation, but God wants to bring you from damnation to glory. I cannot imagine the pain and the weight of sin that laid upon Adam. Look at your neighbor and say, Glory, uh, water break. There's a reason it's called the sting of death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 56. The sting of death is sin. James 1 and 15. When lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. God took Adam, woke him up out of the dirt, stood him up. He said, Adam, behold. Look at everything I've made for you. Adam went to sleep when the sun went down that evening. God came over about 2 a.m. in the morning. God woke him up. Adam yawns out of a deep sleep. He said, Adam, there's something else I want you to see. Adam struggles, makes his way, and he sees a nocturnal, nocturnal, I think they call them, you know, like half of y'all night dwellers. Adam walks through the garden, and he sees a nocturnal monkey. <laughs> Peeling a banana. Watching him go by. God said, that's not what I want you to see. Adam, 
Lift up your eyes. <laughs> you know, I was at mom's this week, and I forget, mom, y'all don't have the light pollution like we do here. There's only one store in our sky. You go outside at 3 o'clock in the morning, the only thing you're going to see is a jet going by, and you're going to think it's the North Store or something. Say, man, that thing's moving fast. All the light pollution. They didn't have no. The only light there was lightning bugs flying by and their backside lighting up. Adam looks up into the sky and his eyes behold what we call the Milky Way. I went outside. Mom's one of those nights. I didn't stay out long. It was 31 degrees. It don't take me long to look at the sky. But I looked up there and I forgot how beautiful the sky was. The night sky. I, I remember going out in the Everglades and fishing with Captain Marin. We'd be out there and a couple of times we spent the night out there. And there's no light pollution out there as they call it. And you get out and the Milky Way is across the sky. It's so beautiful. It's so incredible. God now approaches Adam. He had partaken of the fruit. Rebellion now resided in him and his wife Eve. And his eyes have been opened now to evil and deception and sin. And now mixed in inside of his soul with the glory of all that God made was death. And the weight seemed to be more than he could bear. Takes him in Genesis 3 and 17. And, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten the tree which I have commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Look what God began to say. Everybody say the sting of death. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shall thou eat of it. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. What is all of this, God? It's the sting of death. It's the sting of death. It's what it feels like, Adam. And then Paul says in Galatians 5 and 19, stay with me. I'm only going to be here a little while longer. Now the works of the flesh are manifested. Which are these? Everybody say the sting of death. Say the sting of sin. That's what this is. The works of the flesh. And the very first one named is adultery. You want to know what the sting of adultery is? You lose your family. You lose your loved ones. You lose your children. You lose everything. Unless your wife is gracious enough to forgive you of the act of adultery. And then there's fornication. You know what the sting of fornication is? It's STD. Sexual transmitted diseases. Then there's uncleanness lasciviousness which means to have a strong lust or never satisfied it's the sting of gambling and losing your income it's the sting of drugs and dying of an overdose idolatry worshiping other gods always be 
being let down. Witchcraft, which means the use of drugs. Finding out it's going to put you in prison. Hatred will leave you with bitterness. Variance will leave you with no friends. Emulations will leave you with no trust. Wrath will leave you with hatred in your heart. Seditions will bring disunity. Heresies will tear families apart. Murders will destroy you and others. Drunkenness, you'll lose it all. Rioting, the Bible says, and such like. What are these? They are the stings of death. They are the sting of sin that men get up every day and they live with it. Every day they carry it on their back, but they've had it for so long they don't even realize it's there. I've come to tell you, your resurrection, your breath of life is here. I want you to lift your hands and feel after him for a moment. Feel after God for a moment. Everybody, every man, every woman, will you feel after God for a moment? Hallelujah. Paul the apostle goes on to say let me preach to you God's reaching for somebody today Paul the apostle names all of the works of the, all of these works of the flesh and then when we look at them we see the results of that sin which is the sting of sin the sting of death but Paul ends this verse by saying of the which I tell you before as I have also told you in time past they which do such things shall not inherit kingdom of God losing my family would be bad enough losing everything I know and have and love and loves me would be bad enough but oh God losing the kingdom you see you will never truly experience what Adam experienced until you take your last breath and without God you are eternally separated from him even now even now even though you may not be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost God is still all around you even though you may not be experiencing him on the inside and you're still walking around with that load of sin upon your back, you're wondering how you're making it. It's because God is still everywhere. But the day is going to come when men are removed from the presence of God. Friend, let me tell you something. That's what's going to make hell, hell. It won't be the flame or the torments, it'll be that there 
there is no God. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five. He said unto Martha or Mary. She ran out to him and said, Lord. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus looked at her and said, I'm glad for your sake I wasn't. But don't worry, Mary. Lazarus will live again. Oh, I know, Lord. I know that on the day of the resurrection, that great day of the resurrection, that Lazarus, my brother, will live again. And he looked at her and he said, Mary, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Remember, we are in the opposite experience of Adam. Adam went from life to death, but you and I, we're going from death to life. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. I've come to tell you today in the Holy Ghost, you can live. What you are feeling, what you are experiencing, it does not have to be the end for you. Jesus Christ is the resurrection. And though we are dead in our sins, his power, his glory, his blood can resurrect you and breathe. His disciples were walking with him. He was coming to the end of the journey. He stopped. And the Bible says he breathed on them. And he looked at them and he said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Hold on. You know who that was walking in the flesh? He probably wouldn't strut like that, Brother Corinthian, but if I was God, I'd strut like that. <laughs> you know who that was walking in the flesh? Timothy tells you and I, that was God in the flesh. Do you know how much Jesus had to contain himself? When he breathed on his disciples. 
Because if we take the years literal, that brought Jesus back 4,000 years earlier when he was upon his knees and he had formed man in the dust of the ground and he breathed into him the breath of life. When Jesus opened up his mouth and breathed upon his disciples, he knew what he was about to do. He was about to give them the same life, the same power, the same authority, the same peace that he breathed into Adam on the day of creation. God has come to reverse this thing. He has come to visit you in your fallen state of death. He has been walking through the carnage of humanity ever since Adam fell. He made his way all the way in the days of Noah and one was saved by grace. He made his way past all that carnage to the Tower of Babel and scattered them upon the earth. He kept walking, built the tabernacle. This is what's going to come. What are you doing, God? What are you doing, Lord God, who breathed the breath of life into Adam? I'm making my way to his grave. And when I get to his grave, I'm going to breathe the breath of life back in him. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Paul said Adam was made a living soul, but the second Adam, Jesus, a quickening spirit. You see, Adam, you're dead. You just don't know it. But the resurrection is here today to breathe into you the power of life that will change every situation in your life. But I'm not good enough. He made Adam from the dust of the ground. God specializes in taking the worthless and making it that which is worth most of all. Every man and woman, put your hands together for a moment to the Lord. Let's praise him. I'm coming to a close. Music, if you'll come. Peter, 
First Peter 2 and 24. Don't stand just yet, but listen. Everyone given attention. Who his own self, speaking of Jesus, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Colossians 2.13 And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven all your trespasses. Don't you want to find yourself in this verse? Where all of my sins are forgiven. God breathes into me the power of His Spirit. And this time, my eyes were only open to death, but now they will be open to life. And I will see all the wonders that God has for me. When He breathes the breath of life into you and the Holy Ghost fills your soul, He's going to begin for the first time you will begin to see the path that He has laid out for you. Peter says this, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Watch how Paul says it. If so be that the Spirit of God, let's stand. So be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Listen to the word. If so be that the Spirit of God God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is not of his. You see, without his spirit, you are in the state of the first Adam when he was cast out from the presence of God. And the sting of death abides in you. The sting of sin, which is death. And the only way to get that death out of you is what God did with Adam. He breathed in him 
the breath of life. But Adam lost that breath of life. And man has died ever since. But Christ has come to breathe into you. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Jesus has come to breathe the breath of life into your soul today. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Oh, sweet Holy Ghost, you're in this place. You're in this place. You're in this place. You're in this place. Oh, God, you're in this place. Oh, mighty God. Every eye closed, every mind on the Lord is a music place. This altar is open. Listen, Paul said... All in Adam have died, but all that are in Christ are made alive. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What is the spirit that comes to you? It is the spirit of truth that will lead and guide you. It is the spirit that will give you power over sin. It is the spirit that will become your comforter. It is the spirit that will put the love of God in your heart. It is the spirit that sanctifies you. It is the spirit that seals you with the seal of promise. Jesus said, Whosoever believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living life. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which had not yet been given. Ma'am, sir, this altar is open.